Welcome to Overflowing Bookshelves, a podcast for people who love the written word. Could you spend hours browsing through a bookstore? Is your happy place curled up under a blanket with a good book, or perhaps writing a story of your own? Are you constantly adding to your to-be-read list, even though your bookshelves are already overflowing? If so, this podcast is for you. Tune in to hear authentic conversations with published authors about their creative processes, paths to publication, and advice for living your most fruitful and inspired life. I'm your host, Dallas Woodburn, and I am absolutely delighted that you are here with us today. I am the author of the short story collection, Woman Running Late in a Dress, and the YA novel, The Best Week That Never Happened. I'm also a professional book coach, and I am passionate about helping people give birth to their own unique stories. You can connect with me at my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at dallaswoodburnauthor. Without further ado, let's dive into today's interview. Hi, everyone. Before introducing you to today's guest, I have some exciting news to share. We now have a Patreon page. Head on over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dallas Woodburn to support this podcast and receive exclusive access to bonus content from our guest authors, including writing exercises and excerpts from their books. Plus, as a Patreon supporter, you will be thanked here on the air. Visit patreon.com slash Dallas Woodburn to learn more. Now, welcome to episode number 34 of Overflowing Bookshelves. Today, I am thrilled to speak with author Mary Potter Kenyon, whose books have transformed the way I think about the emotional journey of creativity. Mary Potter Kenyon graduated from the University of Northern Iowa with a BA in psychology and is a certified grief counselor. She is the program coordinator for the Shalom Spirituality Center. Mary is widely published in magazines, newspapers, and anthologies, including 10 chicken soup books. She conducts writing workshops and does public speaking on the topics of writing, using your creativity in your everyday life, and finding hope and healing in grief. She is the author of seven books, including the award-winning Refined by Fire, A Journey of Grief and Grace, and Expressive Writing for Healing. Her book on creativity, Called to be Creative, was released in August 2020. I am so grateful to have Mary here on the podcast today, and I really am excited to share our conversation with you today. So enjoy. Well, hello, Mary. Welcome to the podcast. I have been a fan of your work for a long time, and it is just such a treat to have you here to talk about your writing journey and especially your new book called To Be Creative. So welcome. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so delighted. I was wondering if maybe you could start off by just telling us a little bit about your journey as a writer, which you go into in your book called To Be Creative. And I would just love you to share a little bit of that here. Sure. 
So I think I was a writer when I was a child because I would always be not only doodling, but writing little poems and little, very bad stories, (laughs) very badly written stories. I found some of those in my mother's things after she passed away. She had saved them, little books I made her. Um, And then, of course, graduate and life gets in the way. And I um, graduated with a BA in psychology. So I wasn't other than enjoying the essay tests in college, I really didn't write much until I, after I gave birth to my fourth child and decided to discontinue um, pursuing a master's in family services instead, I would stay home with my, my children. I think I just needed something to kind of hang on to my own self, my creativity and what gave me the idea I could just up and write an article and send it in and make some money, but it worked. I found a little magazine at the back of our church and saw that they were accepting stories about your prayer life and sat down and 15 minutes later, maybe 20 minutes later, I had an article that I sent. And when I got that $50 check, I think that's kind of what got me hooked. Not, not just to see my name in print, but Hey, I can get paid to do something from home. So I, I've been writing ever since 1987 and little pieces for magazines and newsletters and oh, couponing magazines and parenting magazines and sometimes pick up some freelance writing for a newspaper. It wasn't until, and then I had a small homeschooling book published in 1996, but it actually wasn't until after the person who believed in my writing the most which was my husband, passed away, that I ended up signing six book contracts in the space of seven years after his death. So it, it was kind of a long and convoluted journey to, to getting these books published, but I've never looked back. Um, and I, I hung on to that as a, a mom at home. I do remember some of the writing classes. I, I, I started hearing moms or young women say, well, I'll do that when I'm when my kids are older or I'll do that later. And I hear that from a lot of people about things that they really want to do. And I always tell them, don't wait. If I waited until my kids were gone before I started writing, I would still be waiting. My (sighs) youngest of my eight children is 17. She's still at home. So don't wait if you've got something in you that you want to pursue someday. Yes, that is such a powerful message. Um, I just, I love that. And something about your writing, Mary, that I, um, it's an honor to meet you on the podcast. I, I feel like I know you from reading um, your books and I just feel like you have such an authentic writing voice um, with a lot of grace and vulnerability. And I was wondering if that's something that you feel has always been there with your writing or if it's something that has developed over time. Could you tell us maybe a little bit about the ways in which your writing has changed over the years, but also perhaps the ways in which it has stayed the same? Mm-hmm. So I think I developed, when we talk about writing voice, I wrote a lot of things that I really didn't believe strongly. And so I, it was more of a news reporting voice for some, like some of the newspaper reports and that kind of thing. But whenever I wrote about something personal, that's where my voice would come out. So it was more like talking to a friend. And I realized very early on in my writing that if I wanted my writing to help other people, I had to be authentic. And so it, sometimes it's hard to brave your yourself 
because I remember one of the early articles I wrote was called The Messy Homeschooler because my house was always messy with eight children and homeschooling. And that's before Facebook, when if somebody's taking a picture of their house, it always looks perfect and their meals look perfect and their children are perfect and everything looks perfect. But if you can't be transparent and authentic, then you're not approachable. And so I think I wanted to be approachable. I wanted to reach out to other moms who were struggling with a messy house or struggling with disobedient children or whatever it is you struggle with. And that became even more important after I um, started writing about grief and uh, caregiving and those topics because I wanted to be approachable. I, w- I couldn't help somebody if I was hiding behind the perfect perfect parent or the perfect widow or whatever it is perfect. Yeah. And so it it has become important in my public speaking and in my writing. And the best compliment I can get from somebody is you are so real <laughs> because that's what we need in our, in this world. We need people to be real with us. We need them to let us see their messy house and maybe their hair is a mess and the kids have peanut butter on their shirts because <laughs> otherwise we feel so bad about ourselves. And what am I doing wrong that I can't have this perfect family? When I first started homeschooling, I'll never forget the pictures you would see. The, the women were wearing denim jumpers and the kids were wearing their plaid shirts and their jeans and they all matched and everything. <sighs> and the little girls were all wearing little denim jumpers too. And it's like there was this uniform I had to, can I be a homeschooler if I don't dress like that? Do I have to have this uniform? So there was that of, no, you, there's just as many different kinds of homeschoolers as there are different kinds of writers as there are different kinds of moms. And it's all okay. And we're all here to help each other. and. So I think that's where that authenticity has come from is I want to be able to help people and encourage people and inspire people with my words. And I cannot do that if I am hiding behind the perfect person that I am not. Yes. Yes. That is so well said. And I mean, it makes me think a lot about creativity as well. And you'd mentioned, you know, with writing too, that I think a lot of people have this fear of quote unquote, doing it wrong or not being perfect, if there even exists a perfection in writing, but this idea of our own self-criticism or our own fears really getting in the way of our creative process. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how perhaps perfection is, uh, I don't want to say an enemy, but it's something that makes creativity a lot harder or just kind of how how you advise if people are struggling with those critical voices and trying to be more creative what what advice do you have for people and we all have that voice in us that says you're doing it wrong or this isn't good enough and that's something I've learned too in doing writing workshops but also creativity workshops and I belong to a lifelong writers group that I start lifelong learners group that I started for a while too and I'm meeting all these people and sometimes I'm blown away by what I see in them whether it's the way they can make a quilt or the way they the the baking they can do or their beautiful gardens and I'll see that in them just as our parents hopefully see that as in us as children and yet they don't see that in themselves mm-hmm. and it, that drives that um, drives me crazy because I 
I want to everybody to be able to see what it is that they were designed to do. And there's science behind this, that we are all designed to create in some way, whatever way it is. And we have to get past that um, creativity looks a certain way. It's a picture on a wall. Well, no, and it doesn't have to be something museum quality that you um, that you create. It can be as simple as coloring pictures and kids know it. Kids know, they, nobody has to tell them to create. They just naturally dig in the dirt and, and color and get their hands messy. And it's we adults who start to worry that it's not going to be good enough or it's not going to look right. And to get back to that, we have to allow ourselves to fail. And that's hard for us. It's hard for all of us to let ourselves fail. And that's how we learn. And the only way you're not going to fail something is to never try. And so the, the writing that I do and the classes that I do, I'm always trying to help people and guide people to see what I, what others can see in them, what maybe their children see in them or their mother sees in them or a, a teacher once saw in them. There's something in each of us. And I cannot tell you how many times I have been able, have been humbled to be able to be that encourager and then to see this light come on in their eyes. The person who says, well, I've never sent anything out for publication. I can't, my poetry isn't good enough. And to encourage them and then to see when they get accepted or somebody says, this is one of the most beautiful poems I've ever read, a light comes on in their eyes. And for me to get to be a part of that through my writing or through my workshops, it's it's an honor. And that light doesn't go off as long as they are doing what they were created to do. Yes. Yes. I love, I love that. And how, so getting, getting to, that's a perfect segue to my next question. The idea of, you know, doing what we're created to do, um, finding little ways to be creative in our own lives. And like you're saying, giving ourselves permission to see creativity in a variety of forms and not have to be one painting on a wall or typing in a Word document for a book that we're working on, that it can be all sorts of things. Um, I was wondering, I have a lot of creative people who listen to the podcast, particularly a lot of book lovers and writers. And I'm sure some of them might be listening and thinking, wow, you know, how, so how did you go from writing little articles and writing for the newspaper, you know, to then jumping into writing books and, you know, finding the time to do that and the stamina. Um, and I wasn't sure if it's, you have a different creative process for writing books compared to articles or newsletters. And maybe you could share a little bit, I guess, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. You know, one is sort of, what your creative process looks like. And um, two is finding the time and I guess the endurance to embark on a project like a book um, that is so big. And especially your books, Mary, I think are so bravely vulnerable and about these, you know, very personal topics. So I would just love to hear more about that. Well, when I was raising young children, there was no such thing as finding time. <laughs> I had to make time. So I would get up at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, sometimes just to get that hour in. Um, like I was desperate for writing time because there was something in me that knew I needed to do this for my own mental health. Mm -hmm. And so 
I never waited for the muse. I never waited for the time if a child fell asleep unexpectedly in the vehicle in the back seat, I would pull over to the curb and pull a notebook out of my purse and just start scribbling away because I found that time. Or I would offer to sit by the kids when they're falling asleep at night because they wanted somebody by them because there was a nightlight in their room and I could sit by the nightlight and write. And so I, I, you know, that was a lot of little pieces of writing. I'm not sure I would have been able to write an entire book with those little snatched moments, but those little snatched moments really add up. And I have heard of some writers who 15 minutes a day, every day will write. And then by the end of the year, they've got a book or at least the beginnings of a book. Um, When it came to writing a book after I'd been selling, I can't say 600 or more pieces to newspapers, magazines, and anthologies, all those little pieces. The idea of a book felt daunting because all of a sudden it's, this is way more than one essay. It's, you know, it's, or one newspaper article, mm-hmm. but I had met another writer um, who was writing books and I'd asked him I'm kind of scared. I told him the truth. I'm kind of scared about the idea of writing a book. You know, I've got this idea for a book, but it just seems so daunting. And he said, well, you write chicken soup essays, right? And I said, yeah, I've been in quite a few chicken soup books. And he says, so just write a whole bunch of little essays (laughs) and link them together. And I thought, well, that feels like that could work, you know, an essay about this, an essay, and each essay would be a chapter. And so that um, kind of gave me permission to relax a little bit about the idea of this huge book. And of course, I do go by an outline at first for the book because I need to know where it's headed. So we go back to our high school years of writing writing our outlines for our papers that we have to turn in. And so it, that's the way I work with books is I do start with an outline, but I've heard of people, especially fiction writers who just let the words take them where and the characters take them where they go. But so it was a little daunting at first to think of going from hundreds of articles to, okay, now it's going to be a book. And I kind of follow the same format with each of my books is like, I'll get that outline down, down first and then work my way from there. And I, I move things around. I, it's kind of like playing with words. I, this isn't working right after that chapter. Let's move it over to this chapter and, and at first, for a new writer, that's kind of hard to do because they think, you know, I, I wrote it down. It's this is it. This has got to be it. But there's a lot of editing. There's a lot of revising. There's a lot of moving things around. Sometimes I'll abandon an entire chapter. It just wasn't fitting. It wasn't working. So it's a little bit fun to scr- scratch out those words because I actually write on paper. But I then I put it to the computer. So there's some editing going on from paper to computer, too. And then from the computer, I print it out and then I'll write on that paper. And so it's going from paper to computer over and over again and working its way out. So I actually have fun crossing things out and circling things that aren't making sense with mine or other people's writing. Yeah, I love I love the joy in your voice and just that sense of fun and playfulness and um, experimentation and curiosity. I think that is so important to the process. And it made me think about what you were saying earlier about creativity being something that is innate in us 
as children. I watch my two-year-old daughter play all day and she is so creative and she's always scribbling on things and building things. And she's so excited to show me everything that she's creating. And I think somewhere along the way, we tend to lose sight of that a little bit or forget it as we become adults. And maybe it's our self-criticism or criticism from others, but you're inspiring me just hearing you talk about the writing process that you have, you know, to think about are there ways to bring in a little bit more of that playfulness or that fun or experimentation and not have to be quite so serious about about the creative process. And um, I also love your idea of breaking it down. And instead of thinking of a whole entire book, you know, thinking about just chapter by chapter or essay by essay. I think that's also great advice for any of our writers listening who maybe feel a little bit daunted by writing a book. Um, Do you have any other advice, Mary, that we haven't touched on yet that you would like to share with um, maybe a writer who is just beginning or perhaps someone who is feeling a little bit discouraged in the creative process? Um, I, I know that you do a lot of these wonderful workshops. And um, I thought that you might have some great just advice to share for someone who maybe needs a little bit of a creative boost right now. One of the um, things I tell everybody when I, when they come to one of my, I, I hear, oh, I'm not sure I belong here. I'm, I'm not a real writer. Or uh, there's always this hesitancy. Am I a real writer? When am I a real writer? You know, until... I've got, I'm on the New York Times bestseller list. Well, I'm not on the New York Times bestseller list, but I've got seven books out. So the first thing I tell them, and this would work whether you are an artist or a writer or whatever, is call yourself a writer. Claim it, claim that title, because as soon as you sit down and start writing and you are writing, you are a writer. And nobody else is going to take your husband, your kids, your your friends. Nobody's going to take you seriously until you take yourself seriously. And that's hard for some people to do is to claim that title. Well, but I haven't been paid for my writing or I haven't had anything published yet. I'm not, you know, I'm not a writer yet. Yes, you are. You are a writer as soon as you start writing. So claim that title, get some business cards network with people that are that can help you in your writing network with people that are interested in the same thing because there's a lot of creative energy in getting together even on zoom with people who are interested in the same thing as you so whether that's art or writing or if you can find a group and meet once a month or something there's so much creative energy that happens that once you get off that zoom meeting or once you leave that room you just want to go and start writing or start creating. So that that's another thing. Find your tribe. Call yourself a writer and find your tribe, the tribe that will help you get to whatever your goal is with your writing. That is beautiful. And I, that is a perfect place um, for us to end. Um, I'm hoping that this podcast can be a tribe of sorts for listeners to feel rejuvenated, to dive back into their creative projects. I know I certainly feel inspired after our conversation, Mary. And I was wondering if you could share the best places for people to connect with you, to buy all of your books, especially your new book called To Be Creative, and just to kind of keep in touch and find out more about you. Sure. You can find me on my website at www.marypotterkenyon.com. I'm also on Facebook, Mary Potter Kenyon, LinkedIn, Mary Potter Kenyon, 
And Instagram is fun. I wouldn't mind following some more people. And it's fairly new for me, but it's fun to have pictures. And I'm also Mary Potter Kenyon on Instagram. Well, thank you so much, Mary. And to all of our listeners, if you want to head on over to the, our Patreon page for our community, it is patreon.com slash Dallas Woodburn. And Mary's going to share an excerpt of her book called To Be Creative and a writing prompt for our community there. So I hope that you'll pop on over and join us at patreon.com slash Dallas Woodburn. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on Overflowing Bookshelves. If you enjoy this podcast, it would mean so much if you take a few minutes to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher to help other writers and book lovers find out about us. If you are kind enough to share this episode on social media, be sure to tag me at Dallas Woodburn Author on Instagram or Facebook. I love to surprise my listeners with fun prizes like free books and other literary swag. Also, I would love to hear your thoughts on the show and your ideas for future guests. Please visit my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com to connect with me and offer your suggestions. Until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.